Good afternoon, welcome to our new FC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. It is uh, Liam Kennedy today on his new day, which is Wednesday. Uh, it may be different times on a Wednesday, but it's definitely going to be a Wednesday. We've agreed on now, so uh, welcome to you, Liam. Uh, just a quick one for regulars of NUFC Matters. Spoil today, because uh, we're going to have Geordie's here. Geordie's there tonight at 6 o'clock. And then much um, to, to people's joy, I think we're going to have News of the World back, which is the current affair show. I haven't done it for a while. A lot of people asking if I would do it again. We've got some great topics to discuss tonight. So uh, we're going to do that at 7 o'clock. So a busy day for me today. And uh, big shout out to Ross Gregory, who bought lunch uh, today. It was only a baguette, but it's a start, Liam. Uh, it is, yeah, yeah. Quality, <laughs> best manager I've ever had. Love Ross. Love Ross. Yes, you mentioned that. You mentioned that. And their best manager Newcastle I've ever had, Eddie Howe. What a performance! Unbelievable. Uh, and crazy. We're, we're sitting here last. We're sitting here last week, mate. Head in my hands, going worst performance of the season. And then fast forward to Spurs at the weekend. Uh, best performance of the season. Yeah, best performance under Eddie Howe uh, by quite some distance, in my opinion. Um, I've never seen any United team. Dismantle another team like that. Look, Tottenham were rubbish, but Newcastle was so good, so good. And, and the biggest part about it was answering the questions from the week before. We did wonder um, how they would bounce back from that Aston Villa dent in the season, and it was a really uncharacteristic performance, which ultimately has been put to bed as a one-off, and that's what we hoped, and that's what we expected. It was such a one-off. Um, but yeah, massive, massive results. Some unbelievable performances. Um, Joel, Joel Linton is just a really, really incredible human being, in my opinion. When you think of all the struggles and the issues that he had at this football club, moving to a new country, having to adapt to a grim style of football as it was at the time in a in a uh, quite hostile environment in the Premier League, um, not speaking the language, lockdown. It was all very strange start of life at Newcastle United for Joe Linton. And he struggled, struggled for quite some time. To see the way he performs now, wow. Such a confident, hulking, physical, strong, quick, confident footballer who imposes himself, whether that's on the left or in midfield or sitting when he has to, uh, when Bruno went off in a, in a deeper role. He's such an incredible Incredible footballer. I think, for me, I think one of the, the real success stories of Eddie Howe's time. Um, one that obviously doesn't go under the radar. There are others who do go under the radar. We've seen the resurgence of Joe Willock, who looks like a man reborn since coming back into the team. Uh, I think he came back in about February. He looks like a man reborn. That ball for, uh, was it the fourth? The fourth goal, uh I'll be honest, technically, I didn't believe that he had that kind of thing in his locker, but he's another player that continues to prove doubters wrong. Sean Longstaff probably is the one that's gone under the radar, and I was shouting from the rooftops about him last week, and for me, he's up there as one of my players of the season, because he is an incredible, another uh, another redemption story at Newcastle United, a player who many doubted was even a Premier League footballer at times. Wondered whether we ever see anything close to that sort of breakthrough mini burst of games that he had under Rafa Benitez. Um, we're seeing a much better version of Sean Longstaff now, a more natural Sean Longstaff, where he's not sitting and, and uh, playing with a game around him. He's actually really getting stuck in and getting forward and getting into goal-scoring positions. Could he brush up when he's finishing a little bit more? Yeah, but that's the next level of his game. Uh, if he can improve on that and start scoring more goals, then... I see no reason why whoever Newcastle United sign, and this goes for Joe Linton, it goes for Joe Willock as well, whoever they sign, that they have no doubt they'll make themselves really tough to take out of the team. Should it be a midfield beefing up as we expect it to be in the summer? But success stories all over. Alexander Isak, I don't think anybody really thought he, he's a clinical finisher. And after seeing him in those first few games, then when he came back as well, I think of go back to performances like Bournemouth, 
away where it was really tough for him. Um, you wondered whether is he is he quite suited to the English game? Where does he fit in this team? As it was clearly just that he wasn't up, his fitness levels weren't there, and he was getting up to speed of the of the game in this country. And he's just he's absolutely flying now. A player who can who pulls defenders. I watch I watch Romero centre half on Sunday. And he was dragged out 40 yards from his own box where, where Isak keep dropping in and going out wide. He, that Romero was pulled all over the place for about 70 minutes. And then Callum Wilson came on and he was getting bashed and rolled. And, and I thought, he's going to go home tonight and think, what the hell have I played against today? I've run around for 70 minutes, not knowing where, and where I'm meant to be playing because Isak had him all over. And then he's just been bashed all over by Wilson, turning him, putting his back up and rolling him, beating him. I thought it just, you know, on days like that, it just felt like they've kind of got that right in that partnership. Um, I think we might see. I'll, I'll be surprised if we didn't see uh, Callum Wilson tomorrow as a starter. I think if you look at that three-game week, the last one where he rotated, Newcastle went to West Ham and he went with Wilson. It wouldn't surprise me if we seen Wilson again um, with Isak as your finisher. Eddie Howe's very big on this, actually. And it seems like an Americanism in some ways. Or more, you see it coming into more like rugby union and things like that, actually, nowadays, where your finishers, as, as they sometimes get called, your substitutes, are as valuable as your starters. And it's mm -hmm. almost, they are relied upon to be a 30-minute impact. And I think Howe's kind of getting the balance right with that with Isak and Wilson. There's other players like Almiron and Murphy who will rotate, I would imagine, at times. Be surprised if he drops, drops Murphy out again. Another huge redemption story at Newcastle United. A player who for 80% of his time here has never really been able to find a place in the team or justify his position. This season he's really justified um, He's justified his position in many ways, adding goals, assists, a threat. Going, going on the outside, links really well with Trippier, Longstaff, Bruno. It's just an excellent, showed himself to be an excellent part of this squad. And that's what this is. It's a squad that is showing signs of having more strength than, than anybody believed it actually would. Look, I'm not going to get too excited. I don't think, I don't think it's signed and sealed that Newcastle United will finish in the Champions League. But I think they're, I, I, I see them as almost as good as there. Um, I would say they're definitely in Europe now. And it's going to be a case of just adding, if they can add four or five bits of quality in the summer, just to beef out that squad a little bit more, then I don't see any reason why they can't go on and, and equal the kind of performances that they've had this season in terms of levels and, and compete again next season. With no doubt, probably. I mean, nobody knows how Chelsea's going to go, but you'd imagine a little bit stronger. Depending on the appointment of Tottenham, you'd imagine they've got half a chance of being stronger. Um, be interesting to see how the development of Ten Hag at Man United continues because really they've been a, a, one of the Premier League success stories but still feel like they've got a lot more to go to be challenging at the top. So it's interesting to see whether whether they come again. And of course, Liverpool. Can uh, Jurgen Klopp reinvent Liverpool uh, like he has done before, uh, but reinvent them again uh, to become a, a challenger? Because their squad, realistically, is looking quite weak in many departments when you look at it. Um, they've got a good starting team, but then beyond that, when they have to make changes, it's not really been up to scratch. I mean, James Milner and the, the likes are, are talking about potentially getting a new contract there. I mean, that's not the type of thing that would happen at Man City or Arsenal or, or any of the teams at the top. It's be interesting to see how, how these those teams develop. But I see Newcastle United in the trajectory they're on, being up and around there again next season, as well as being able to compete on European fronts. But that's the caveat of that is that they've got to add those five or six bits of quality. Mm, yeah, I, I would agree with everything you've said there, mate. I think it's uh, it's been a, a, a fantastic season, no matter what happens. Uh, you know, this week's always going to be a key week, um, not just for us, but for everybody at the top and bottom of the table. I think two wins, and depending on how the other results go, will will tell us a lot more um, about how things are going to go for us with regards to the Champions League. But, um, it, you know, it, it, we've come a hell of a long way in a short space of time, and um, I think most of us are hoping now for third as opposed to fourth. I mean, that's that's how far we've come, you know. that The big battles between us and Manchester United, I think, I think um, you know, I think 
think Manchester United will be too good for, for Tottenham, I, I think, in, in that game. But you can never predict this. That's the beauty of the Premier League. It's so unpredictable that, you know, Tottenham could come back and win three or four nil against Manchester United. And when they're back in the mix again, Villa won again, another one nil win last night. You know, they're not out of it. Brighton obviously got games in hand on a few of the teams in the, in the, in the mix. So, you know, depending on how they're doing, if they've probably got a, hard, a harder running, Liverpool have got an easier running. Um, but as we know, they've been misfiring, you know, that, you know, they win one game and lose the next. Their away form has been terrible compared to where, uh, you know, compared to what else, you know what they've done in the past. So it's amazing. It's amazing that we're even talking like this. It's amazing that we're actually in this position. Um, but it's, it, you know, thank the Lord we are. It's, it, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, let's get to the questions. I'm going to go to Twitter first because, you know, there's a few people can't watch live in an afternoon and I did put it out there. So we'll, um, we'll put the questions uh, on, on to, to Liam from Twitter first and then we'll come to you in the chat. I've saved the, the, full, uh, the questions from earlier on there. So I'll, I'll come to them in the second half. Uh, no, Peter, we're not going to discuss the Sunderland Seagull case. That is not going to be discussed. Peter Guy says, uh, six out of contract in the summer. Hendrick and Hayden returning from loans. Does Liam think these two will be given a chance to prove themselves as backup for the midfield positions? Um, the six out of contract plus these two, Fraser and Darlow expected to leave, will need 10 bringing in. Financial fair play will be an issue, says Peter. But let's concentrate on the first part of that need, story. Not, that's not true. They'll not need 10. No, they won't. No, and they certainly you won't. Ten. You can't run a squad over 25 in the Premier League anyway, so you wouldn't want 10. Yeah, um, go, for, go for it on that one. No, that's an interesting one. Hendrick, I think, no. Hayden's an interesting one. I don't think either, no. I'd, no. Be, very, I'd be very surprised if either were given the chance, no. I think there's there's a, a need to consistently level up rather than go back over old players who can come back in and do a job. I, I like Isaac Hayden as a professional, as a player, but there was a reason he was let go in the summer. Um, and I think that'll be the same again this summer, I would imagine. You know, you're probably getting to... If he's in squads, you're probably getting just means they haven't been able to sign the players they would have liked to. I think Jeff Hendricks, a busted flush. I don't think we'll see him again playing for Newcastle United. No, definitely not. I agree. Nathan Page's question was, could you ask Liam, with Newcastle United exploring the idea of a multi-club model, what would be the benefits to Newcastle of doing that? That's a good question. We've seen, it, we've seen the benefits of it elsewhere and you look to Brighton, who have this model in place. Um, where they're able to nurture players who then step straight into their Premier League squad, uh, whether that be for work permit reasons, Matoma being one recent example, they've had others, um, where they can get the games under their belt, uh, make sure they get a work permit, or can just get that experience of, of playing games and getting the mistakes out of that system before they come into the come into the first team fold. And I think that's um, I think that's one one of the big benefits. Again, you can sign players from, from different areas who maybe wouldn't tick the boxes in terms of work permits in this country now with the changed rules. Um, you can get them through the system by playing games in a, in a top league elsewhere. So, yeah, there's lots of benefits. There's lots of benefits. You can also use it as a tool, as Chelsea have done uh, in their system, by sending you, whoever it may be, Mason Mount to to the Netherlands or, or whoever it may be, send them out and get them games under their belt um, and get some good game time in them. And they come back stronger players when you've got your own youth system working, which is one of the key remits of, as I spoke on here last week about Dan Ashworth moving forward, is he's got to make sure that Newcastle kids aren't just producing one every five to six years, that, that there's a bit of a conveyor belt there and quality breeds quality. So when these good lads are playing with other good lads there needs to be a constant levelling up because we know we know from youth football that even when you get this sort of later teens years a lot of these lads are just making the numbers up in terms of playing for Premier League clubs because they're never really going to make it at Premier League level so they instantly drop down the levels and you need to make sure there's as few as possible in those squads and in those teams who are making up the numbers and have got a future and, and could have a chance of being a part of your squad because ultimately that just levels up. That levels up the whole squad. You, you, you're playing with better players. You're obviously going to get better yourself. So yeah, I think I think it's one of those where that that will take time. That'll take that'll take five years minimum 
to to start seeing the the real fruits of, of that kind of work going on. But I think the whole the whole multi club thing, whether it be a formal multi club thing where where the ownership model go and buy other football clubs, or whether it's just an informal one, which is definitely one that's been discussed and is a much cheaper option. Um, then I think we'll see something like that probably in the not too distant future. Okay, I'm going to go to this just in case uh, these other people get off the train. <laughs> Ian goes, question for Liam. I'm sat on a train to Manchester with a Mackham and he says the Gazette is a 50-50 paper. As the editor of the fine paper, do you agree and do you hope the Mackhams go up this season? And he's putting a laughing emoji there. He's stirring <laughs> it up with you, Liam. He's testing your, testing your patience. Of course he's stirring it up. I'm, uh, I'm dyed in the world black and white, so I don't want someone to get promoted. But whether you're saying South Shields, South Shields as a town by nature is a pretty 50-50 kind of place. Go with different areas, see different, you know, to Walmart Awards, Sunderland Motorwards, the river, you'll find that that split will fluctuate here and there. But yeah, it's a 50-50. The Gazette traditionally actually hasn't been a 50-50 paper, really. It's always had a designated Newcastle United writer in the time that I've been there. Um, and the, the length of time that I've known it, um, it hasn't always had a designated Sunderland writer and hasn't had a Sunderland writer for all the time that I've been there. So I wouldn't say the Gazette is necessarily a 50-50 paper. I would say it's weighted very heavily in Newcastle United content, which I've helped to drive over the years. Miles Starforth's helped to drive over the years. Jordan Cronin, who's now in Newcastle World. Dominic Skur, Joe Buck. There's lots of people over the years who've really drove the Newcastle United agenda at the Gazette. And I only see that getting stronger moving forward as well. I think I think there could be good things ahead for the coverage on both Newcastle World and uh, the Shields Gazette. So watch this space. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I've, I've always enjoyed the Shields Gazette, you know, content, to be honest. Um, Miles has been, you know, there for such a long time, but a great reporter. And um, yeah, it's always been always good. And the, the, the paper was also very helpful with me when we were putting boxing shows on through there. So there's, there's, there's good coverage. And me as a, as a, as a born sand dancer, um, I've got to support my local paper, haven't I, Liam? So yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay, next question is from Kiki Delendo um, on Twitter and says, can you ask Liam, with Champions League insight and four players have to be club trained in your 25-man squad, would it be worth trying to get Fraser Foster back as a backup keeper and maybe Adam Armstrong, as I think as an impact sub, he'd be decent? Uh, Fraser Foster's an interest manager on what his contractual situation is. But he would obviously tick a, a lot of boxes. Uh, without going back over the rules, it's difficult for me to say what constitutes a homegrown and doesn't because it's not as clear cut as many people think. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be a Geordie who came through the academy. So, for example, when you just use goalkeeping situations, you, I think Tim Crow would class as one. Obviously, a Netherlands international, but I'm pretty sure. Again, comment in the comments, correct us if I'm wrong, but I just it's one of those where I don't think it's as cut and dried on the homegrown front. With regards to Adam Armstrong, I actually like him as a player. I think he's got a lot of qualities, but just ask any Southampton fan as to why they're struggling. He doesn't score enough goals, especially not in the Premier League, so I don't see how he would have a future anywhere probably in the Premier League. I think he probably dropped out of the Championship with whether it be with Southampton or to another club. I just don't, I don't think he's quite Premier League level, and that's no... Look, I like him. Like I say, when he comes on in games, he, he has got the ability to impact. He's got really good. He's really good technically. He sees a lot around him, but just uh, he's a forward who doesn't score goals, and that's that's a really tough sell when you need forwards who score goals. Yeah. Okay. Next question uh, was from Mark Doyle. He says, "Are Newcastle looking at any players who are out of contract this summer? Do you think, Liam, uh, Thurum, Tielemans, uh, Rabio, Grimaldo, Skrinia, as a small example, might help with a financial fair play?" He says. Um, yeah, it would. Uh, a lot depends on the, the the thing. Free transfers is a bit of a false one. The people look at people as free transfers and think it's a cheap deal for the football club. It often, when you level it out, ends up being a more expensive deal to complete, given the uh, type of bonuses that are involved because there isn't a transfer fee. The higher wage is expected. The, com the competition that you have in that market where most people look and say, look, why not having to pay a transfer fee? So it tends to drive up the interest and the level of wages that people expect. 
um, especially for top players who are who are becoming free. Look, um, Marcus Turam is one that they like. Whether that's a deal that can get done in the summer, I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, it's he's a free transfer, but there is a lot, a lot of interest out there. And if Newcastle did that deal, yeah, I think that would be a fantastic one. Um, but yes, I think um, I think they are looking in that market. But there's going to be money to spend as well, so I think you'll be. Uh, I think you'll be. Um, I think free transfers would be more of a surprise than not. I don't think that's necessarily what they'll do. Mm. Ian Tune Trader says, sorry, Liam. Uh, he says, I just want to let everyone know when I was setting up the Sports Trader charity, Liam was the most supportive member of local and national press. I'll not forget that. That's a nice comment. That's really nice, Ian. Yeah. Um, and, and good luck with a good luck with a continuing project. Uh, it's a fantastic thing that you guys try to do there. And um, anybody else out there, if you've got anything like that and you want some support, and if I, I'm always the same, um, if I can help anybody in any way, particularly with press coverage and it's the right kind of cause, I'll I'll do that. Yeah, great stuff. Okay, a last question that we got on Twitter is one we discussed, um, you know, in a conversation actually. Will there ever be a book, says Dave, uh, Dave Rees, on the takeover? Or is there just too many contradictions and a need for con- uh, confidentiality and the years to get a coherent account. What, what we, you know, you, we discussed it before. People know that you, you know, you were planning a book. We've, we have discussed it, Liam, haven't we? It's not. It, it, yeah. It's on. It's on the back burner. I would say a proverbial, proverbial, proverbial back burner. Um, I, I've, I've said to you that I, I think it, it would only be right to do it if and when Newcastle wins something. I think it would be great to do that. But it's such a difficult thing to do, isn't it? And finding time and you know t- time and inclination to do it. I guess. Well, hopefully, you say that we'll do it when when um, we'll win something. Hopefully, that goal of yours and my BTR isn't grey by the time we're actually thinking about getting this this book out. But look, it could happen. It might happen. It hopefully will happen, but not not yet. Now is not the right time. Um, and I think we'll look to revisit it, like Steve says, in a in a in a different light. I think in the future. Yeah, I think that's the best way to uh, that's the best way the best way to say it. Les says big up to Ian uh, for everything he does. Yeah, big big shout to Ian. He's a he's a good lad, valuable member of the uh, NUFC matter community as well. Uh, lots of talk again. I mean, we're the season's not over yet, and and the media are already talking and speculating about um, transfer budgets, etc. Darren Lee says media reporting today that the summer budget is 150 million, and maybe selling Maxi. To add to funds for transfers doing the rounds today. Any truth in this, do you think, Liam? I don't know about the, the figure. I don't think there's ever been a set figure at Newcastle United. There will there will be a number because they'll they'll know the balance sheets. We know that they were right on the edge when it came to FFP. But that was without Champions League football, that was out without uh improved commercial deals, which should all hopefully start falling into place within the next six months. Um, and that'll be that'll be a massive boost uh, to the coffers, and we'll maybe allow them just to push the boat a little bit further than they were going to. There, there is an absolute need to start selling players at Newcastle United. They do need to. It's probably been the unspoken about um, ill. The last sort of hurrah of Ashley's re- regime is that. The football club was left with so few sellable assets in terms of players. It was unbelievable. I mean, Sir Maximin would probably have been nigh on one of the only saleable assets around. I think Newcastle will probably box clever this summer. If they can make money and get money for players that even necessarily you wouldn't say, if you're trying to build a squad, if they can get money for somebody that allows them to do something else, then it wouldn't surprise me if they did that. We've seen that in January. I don't think anybody would have agreed that Newcastle needed to lose another midfielder, um, even though it was John Joe Shelby who would probably leave at the end of the season anyway, or most would have seen. I think that was probably the time and they didn't want to see that happen, but the club were brave and took that chance. Look, hindsight is a wonderful thing and it actually has turned out to be a positive. It wasn't a positive a few weeks back when we were really struggling and it looked like we needed changes in bodies, but that's the fluctuation of football. These things can happen. And, and as I said at the time, even though it felt like a little bit short-sighted in playing staff, uh, uh, playing squad size, and Eddie Howe felt that too. He wouldn't have, arguably wouldn't have let either of him or Chris Wood go um, between now and the end of the season simply because he was trying to he was trying to get Newcastle in, in Europe uh, and potentially win a, a cup competition as well with a Carabao Cup. 
But I think the right business decisions were taken. They were able to get money back for those players who would have ended up just costing them a lot more money uh, in the long run. Chris Wood, they probably wouldn't have got the same amount of money from Forrest that they did get. And uh, John Joe Shelby ultimately would have probably triggered triggered his new deal, which would add another year on and meant it was another player who who probably they wouldn't have been able to to shift on for the right price and get some decent money in. And they didn't have to hand out a new deal to somebody which was part of it. On Maximin, I think that's I think he is still probably one of the more likely players to leave. Um I'm not hundred percent ruling them out because I think there's chances. Um, I think he's got chances to to have an impact even between now and the end of the season, but it always just feels like an awkward fit, doesn't it? I don't necessarily think he's a he's a hundred percent starter in the team at any point. Look, he played really well. It was a shame he got his injury when he got it, because he was just starting to show some consistent quality, which is something he's lacked in his whole time at Newcastle United. He was the star of the show in a team that was really bad and really struggling, and he was the only one with a bit of magic that would change a game. And I think that brought about a hugely inflated view of the player and the impact that he had. But he did a lot. He scored a lot of important goals. But really, I think we're starting to see that is he is he a top player? And, and I think the clubs who will likely be interested um, will probably not be top, top-end clubs. I would be surprised. Definitely not in this country anyway. Um, and it's just all how much Newcastle uh, value him, Matt. He's always been overvalued, really, because of his value to the squad. I think in the last 12 months, his value to the squad has uh, diminished significantly. And I would expect the type of figures Newcastle will be asking for Alan St Maximum this summer are more likely to be met by teams than what they were last summer. Um, but I, I don't think it's definitely over for St Maximum, but I'd be surprised if he's... I, would, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if he wasn't here come next season because it's always felt like a little bit of an un, uneasy truce constantly with him playing, not playing. He's never... Take away his inconsistencies or qualities on the field. For me, Alan St. Maximin has never been fit enough to be relied upon. Um, we talk about Callum Wilson and his injuries and things like that. Arguably, uh, Alan St. Maximin misses as many games in a season, if not more, than Callum Wilson, year after year. He did this last year. He has long periods out. Might just be three weeks here or four weeks there, but it's pretty consistent in terms of his injuries. And I think Newcastle could probably do better and they the need to sign players who they can be relied upon to play three games a week if needs be. And Alan St. Maximum probably isn't one of those. Yeah, it's a, it's an intriguing situation uh, with Maxi. Um, injuries have probably cost him a little bit. Um, you know, certainly with, with regards to this season and it'll be interesting to see what, what happens in the summer. Um, and, you know, if, if there's somebody who comes in for him as well, uh, you'd imagine if somebody does come in, then it's going to be somebody on the continent. But it's one we will watch on NUFC matters over the summer. OK, time uh, for a break. It is time for the ads. A big thanks to all our sponsors, Skips and Bins, telephone 0800 25 email inquiries at skipsandbins.com, website skipsandbins.com, easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. Thanks also to Mr Vicky's, Handmade in Cumbria, these sauces are really hot stuff. You can order them by emailing info at mrvickies.co.uk or by telephoning 01768 210102. Thanks to Neil and the guys at Media Arts for all the help with the video side of things. And thanks to qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End, Newcastle, and the guys who run our website, nufcmatters.com. If you want to subscribe to the show, hit the subscribe button tonight. It is free. Hit the thumb up under the video to like the video and click share to share to your other social media. If you want to join the channel, hit join. There's three different tiers. Pick the one that suits you and help support the channel financially. If you want to pay a one-off membership fee of £25 and get these goodies, a scarf, a pen, a cup, and entry into the monthly draw, then go to NUFC Matters and look for Membership Pack. Failing that, get your smartphone and put it over the QR code, and it will take you straight there. We're also a podcast, and you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and other podcast providers. 
usually goes up 24 hours after the show has finished. We also support the food bank on this channel. If you want to make a virtual donation today at the Matchday Bucket, go to nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk and you can make a deposit today. Don't forget to enter the Shearer Raffle. There's 150 tickets, £1 per ticket, and you can win a limited edition signed Alan Shearer ball. Enter now at nufcmatters.com. If you have a look on our website, we've also got a vast range of mugs, T-shirts, cups, and whatever else takes your fancy. The Isaac T-shirt is proven popular this month. $16.99 plus delivery from nufcmatters.com. Don't forget as well, we do a, a range of events over the course of the year. We have Peter Beardsley, an up-close and personal evening at the Time Mouse Surf Cafe. Limited tickets remain 25th of April. Get them now from surfcafetimemouth.co.uk or from ticketweb.uk. There's also an evening with Peter Beardsley on May the 19th at the Tyneside Irish Centre. And you can get tickets from newcastlelegends.com and tickets are £50. Don't forget our end of season do takes place 27th of May, 7 o'clock at the Tyneside Irish Centre. Tickets for that one are a tenner and ufcmatters.com is where you can get your tickets for that. In June, Thursday the 1st of June to be precise, Rob Lee will be at Louis Liquor Store in the Big Market in Newcastle and tickets for that are available direct from the venue. And an evening with Rob Lee, Lee Clark and John Beresford takes place the next evening on Friday the 2nd of June at the Grand Hotel in Gosforth. This is a charity event and tables are of £10, £700 and you can book them by contacting natalie at healandtour.org.uk or visiting their website. In July, Gavin Peacock is in Newcastle on July the 10th at the Tyneside Iris Centre. Tickets for that are available from nufcmatters.com and he also... Uh, takes uh, an evening with at the Surf Cafe in Tynemouth on the 11th of July. So get your tickets direct from the venue for that one as well. And if you're a boxing fan, the Night of Champions, Ricky Hatton, Frank Bruno, Nigel Benn and Joe Calzaghi takes place at the Fed. Uh, and that will be taking place on the 16th of June. More dates to be added. Tickets from all those events, www goldstarpromotions.co.uk Tom Dixon says, what's the latest on Cher's injury? Um, Has he got a chance of playing tomorrow night? Eddie Howe's had his press comments. I'm only about 15 minutes into it. I'll probably put the review up tomorrow, but um, it sounds like he's going to leave at the last minute, uh, Liam. Yes. uh, Fabian Cher is a type of player who consistently takes knocks. I do get the feeling this time, though, it might be one where he does sit out and it could be one of the rotations would be Lascelles coming in, I would think. I definitely see Wilson starting the game. Um, look, I couldn't say with any degree of certainty what Eddie Howe's going to do, but I'm just kind of trying to judge and, and read the type of things that he's done before, the type of reactions. And I, I think it could be one where Fabian Cher just gets wrapped in cotton wool a little bit and, and gets ready for the weekend, especially when you've got somebody like Jamal Lascelles where you come in a team who, um, he might not be everybody's cup of tea, but he's never let any castle down when he's come in this season. Arguably, when he's come in this season and played, he's been, even in defeats, he's been one of the ma- uh, man of the match um, in games. And it's been a really tough one that people have debated in the days after. Do you take him back out of the team to bring Fabian Scher back in or, or Sven Botman or whoever it may be? Um, so I think I think we'll see Lascelles. I think Cher will probably be wrapping cotton ball a little bit and probably be back for Sunday because um, he was quite clearly carrying that knock from from a lot earlier than when he came off. Actually, there was a point about sort of fifteen minutes before uh, he did come off that Kieran Trippier was signalling to the bench, pointing at Fabian Cher saying he needs to come off because he'd obviously he'd obviously tweaked something. And needed to needed to come off the pitch, so I think Cher could well be wrapped in cotton wool. Um, and I think the same with with uh, the one that they can't really do that with is Bruno. Um, even when Bruno doesn't play well, um, everything comes through him. Uh, there isn't there isn't another player in the squad who can take the ball in such tight areas. He gives an option to anybody on the right, left, middle, up front. He's always an option and always finds pockets of space. 
even when he's got a man at his back, a centre half can play a ball to him and he'll either turn away, win a free kick, or turn and, and take the whole game on the other side of the pitch and open up the whole range of the pitch for, for the team. They can't take him out of the team. And there is a little bit of to and fro going on at the moment with Bruno. Um, he says he's injured. Uh, Eddie Howe is unequivocal saying, no, he's not. He's not injured. And we did from, I didn't speak to Bruno at the weekend, but I know a few people who did. And it was an interesting response given when he was asked about that. They were like, how's your ankle? And his, his response wasn't, I'm injured or I'm fine or whatever. It was, I'm not talking about that. Have you but seen today's, have you seen today's presser? Yes. Right, because I've only, you know what I do, I watch it, I review it and I put it out. Um, yeah. He was asked today, let me just go back. Keith Downey, uh, second second up yeah. for the for the TV. He asked about the knock to Bruno. First time that I've heard him say, and well, I admit that there's been an issue. Now, what I got from that, I don't know whether you've got the same, but he, he more or less said there hasn't been an issue. Yes. But that he got a knock on it in the game against Tottenham, and it's something that they're, they're going to have to monitor. But he's got faith in the medical staff. He said it's a slight issue. Originally, it was a nasty issue. Uh, it was a nasty. It was a nasty injury. Um, and then since that, since that's happened, he keeps getting a slight pain in his ankle. But then it settles down. He's had yeah. two weeks where he's had no problems at all, but he's aggravated on Sunday. But he still insisted today that it's not a long-term problem. But I, I just wonder whether he's just trying to get him to the end of the season, and then they might address it in the summer. Well, that's exactly what I was going to come on to there, Steve. Is I think, I think there's a manager and a coach and a medical staff who, who see a player who hasn't really got a huge issue, and they're thinking, can we manage him through? And they'll either do a little tidy up in the summer, or he'll get the rest that he needs for yeah. it. And you've got a player who, as wonderful as he is does play up a little bit sometimes with his injuries i think we've seen right. the uh, i think we've seen we've seen it a few times already this season um the tears being the main one um, yeah. but i think they believe they can get him through and it's just it's making him believe that too it's making him believe that he can get through that's my take on it um, mm. and if they can if they can get him through to the summer they'll be fine i don't think it's like aggravating something that's going to cause long term problems um, but yeah, again, it's another one. Even despite today, I, I think he'll play. I think he'll play tomorrow. Yeah, me too. I think he. I think you know. I think, I think he'll play. And like we said, uh, Lascelles is is has been the consummate professional. He's kept himself fit. He's still he's still training well. And from our perspective, yeah, yeah, you know, he will come in and probably do a job, which is great. Graham Morton, uh, good afternoon. He says, is Berger at Sheffield United still a target? Been a revelation this season and is a standout in the championship. Uh, I'd be surprised if Sander Berg ends up in Newcastle United in the summer. Uh, it was a player they did inquire about in January, but is about to be promoted with Sheffield United, and I think they'll be really reluctant sellers uh, of one of their better players as they get promoted. But you know. He's a player that would fit in quite well in the way that Newcastle United play in the system. But I think I think January targets have almost been accelerated away from a little bit, some of them. Because it's not about plugging gaps now. It's almost like, can they add definitive quality in areas? So again, in the summer, so I heard somebody talk before, say we need 10 or we need 8 or whatever. I don't necessarily... If Newcastle can only sign three in the summer, and people go, oh, God, three, we need more than that. But if they can only sign three of the level of Isak that suddenly boosts three positions, three players in the squad who then sit on the bench or were, were definite starters this time around, then I think they would. I don't think there's a number where they'll say, like, we're going to go and spend this and we'll have to bring in eight players. I think they just want to make sure that they sign quality footballers. Um, and I think they'll sign. I don't think there's a number. I think if they if they can only get three bits of quality, and that's what they spend all the budget on, then I think they'll do that. But if alternative, if they can get eight bits of quality, and they'll do that as well. I don't think there's like a definitive number. There's certain positions that they definitely do want. And like I said, midfield's one they want to beef up. They do want a left back. 
They want another centre half. Um, and they want a forward player. So I think that will be a minimum that they'd look to bring in. And if they can add anything else, because the goalkeeping department's one that will certainly have to be addressed um, this summer. I'm not 100% certain Loris Karius will remain. I'm not 100% certain Martin Dubravka will remain. Um, and that's without even talking about Mark Gillespie's out of contract. And also, um, who's the other one I'm thinking about? Carl Darlow. Carl Darlow, mm-hmm. who's at, uh, who's, who is pulling up trees at, at Hull and by all accounts has been absolutely excellent. Um, but there'll be no shortage of takers for players like that. Good, good quality players um, who get teams out of divisions and, and even do a job in the top division as well. But I think there's, there's a number of areas that are going to need addressed. Going back to the 10 thing, I'd be very surprised if there's 10. There might be 10 goal, but I'd be, I, I think Newcastle have shown in January that they, they may actually made, Eddie Howe made a, a decision in very, very different circumstances. So you'll all remember back to when uh, the four goalkeepers thing became a huge thing. I think it was the January before last. Yeah. And it was Steve Bruce's decision. It was the four goalkeepers. And it was very similar. It was, you have to name. If there's players who are over age and you have a gap in the squad, it doesn't matter whether you're going to play them or not, you have to you have to put them in the squad. And Newcastle needed to put a fourth goalkeeper in. It was actually exactly the same this January. There was another gap and they brought a fourth goalkeeper in. Mark Gillespie got registered, but he wasn't registered previously. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Mark, it was um, Martin Dubravka. Sorry, came back on. Dubravka, that's right. From Manchester yeah. Yeah, so then there was the four. Um, totally different circumstances and treated with total different uh, mindsets because of the performance of the team. Um, but it shows that I don't really think they're going to be worried about having to make decisions like that. The squad is already padded out with some poor players. and Not poor players, that's harsh. Already padded out with players that you wouldn't see of Champions League level. Um, it, if they can't get rid of all of those... Off the books, and some of them are in in the squad. Um, but it's about making sure they add real quality, I think. Because I think mm. you can go about this, and you can go about it one of two ways. They could easily, with the budget they're going to have, go out and sign 10 players and fill that squad up, and make it really difficult. You know, look overall, if you wrote it down on paper, I think, oh, wow, that's that's got depth everywhere. That's solid. But really, if you want to compete for titles, Newcastle are actually going to have to get much better than what they are now. Um, and do you then go down the, the route of saying every window do we make sure that we just add a smaller amount of players but they're of an even better quality? I'm kind of more in favour of that way of going about things because then two, three windows will pass by as it has already and we've gone from a team filled with Jeff Hendricks and these type of players to Jeff Hendricks, Kieran Clarks, all these, uh, Paul Dummett's just on the edge of the squad, Mankiel's on the edge of the squad. We've literally swept out a full a full starting team virtually and, and changed it all around. So I think a steady levelling up with real quality. So they're going to if it was only going to be three and it was three bits of absolute quality, then suddenly three of the quality team that everybody thinks we've got now are benched. And that yeah. becomes, your, your squad slowly starts to build in real quality rather than signing 10 questionable who you might end up getting rid of five the next summer anyway, which is a position that Chelsea find themselves in. Um, but they just went out with a magic wand and signed anybody and everything with two legs and, and, and a pair of eyes. It was, it was crackers really. And, um, and they're going to have to sell all for them. Some of them might have only played half an hour, played a couple of games. They'll end up getting rid of some of them because you can't, you can't carry 35 players in a 25 man squad. It just doesn't wash. And I think Newcastle won't go about it that way. One of the big things about the the balance sheet thing at Newcastle United is they don't want to have players who are uh, of age and available not playing football. They don't see the point in running with, oh, like Chelsea, oh, we'll just leave a couple of them out of the squad and they'll just hang around for six months. They don't want to waste a penny. And I don't think we'll see any of that in Newcastle. So if they can't get the players they want, they'll just keep on the ones they've got now and just slowly look to replace them. And that might not be the answer that everybody wants, but just trust the process. These guys know what they're doing. And they've got with this far, and I'm, I'm pretty sure they'll get where we want to be as well. Okay. Uh, hey, Liam, says Sean. Good afternoon. Hey, Chelsea Sean. have to sell. Personally, i take Gallagher and Pulisic. Uh, who would you have? He also asked, are there any 
Uh, any truth on the rumours that Brennan Johnson could come to Newcastle? He's a great talent. I've always thought Conor Gallagher was a good fit in this team. I think he's an, an attacking aid that can finish and create. Uh, comes at a huge price. He ain't going to come cheap, and it's whether you want to pay that kind of money. Um, Brennan Johnson, I think, is a really good player. I think Nottingham Forest are nailed on to go down. Um, I think they will get relegated, and there will be a lot of take as for Brennan Johnson. But again, it depends on the kind of money that they're, they're going to be asking for him. I've not necessarily heard he's a definitive target. Pulisic was, but like I said, I think Newcastle are starting to accelerate past certain players. I don't necessarily think Pulisic fits in the type they're going to try and sign. Although, let's say Pulisic is, he ticks a lot of boxes. Given he's, he's not, he's still of a good age, has excellent experience at international and club level and played for Dortmund and Chelsea in the Champions League and, and, and Premier League and Bundesliga. So he's a very, a very good player who would come in and do a job. Um, almost in some ways would feel like a bit of a levelling up on a Jacob Murphy type player. But the problem with Chelsea, the problem with signing with Chet from, and it's one I'm going to mention for all clubs, was having this debate with a few friends yesterday with regards to Harry Maguire, actually. When you're at a football club like a Chelsea, if you're captain of Manchester United, like Harry Maguire, now I'm not saying that he's going to end up in Newcastle or anywhere close, or they even would be remotely interested. But you don't become captain of Manchester United on pennies, and he's on a good wage. And it's the, the level he's playing at, the clubs that he probably should be in and around and who would be interested simply wouldn't be able to afford him. And Christian Pulisic, should he leave Chelsea, is on mega bucks. Mason Mount, again, he's not everybody's cup of tea. But if you could go and get a Mason Mount and plant him in this Newcastle team, he would fit perfectly. He does so much of what Eddie Howe wants from his players. He can score goals and create goals. He's a good attitude, good age. Everything about him that would fit perfectly in this team but they ain't going to go and give him 250 grand a week to come. They ain't going to go and give Pulisic 150, 200 a week to come in because it suddenly causes them issues um, with other members of the squad who've given so much this season who would also want comparative jump-ups in wages. It caused themselves all kinds of problems, which is why they've got to have this steady levelling up. So that's an issue. Look, you would look at Chelsea and you'd say, I don't know where he's at in his career or whether he's just had a bad time at Chelsea, but You'd say Raheem Sterling would be a great type of signing. Look at that experience. But who's going to be? There's only a limited amount of football clubs could take him. That's why he went to Chelsea because of the money that he was on at Man City. It's an incredibly expensive deal to do, even though the transfer fee was relatively low. There's so many footballers at Manchester United, at Manchester City, uh, not so much Liverpool, but definitely at Manchester United as well, who are just out of the price range because of the wages that they're on. And there's very few players in search of football will take a wage cut from 300 grand a week to 150 just to get a few games. I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's living the real world. Just people don't do that kind of thing. And, he, and there's a lot of players will not do that either. Not when they can probably flit around and, and they're in this bracket of football clubs of maybe six or seven in world football who can afford them. And they'll do the deal like Chelsea did with Ryan Sterling. I think Mason Mount is putting himself into that category. Um and that's why you'll probably end up going to another one of the traditional big six if he does leave Chelsea or a, a foreign club. But our class, our class of likes of Pulisic is probably in and around those brackets as well. Um, I don't know what Conor Gallagher is. You'd imagine he's on slightly less, but will want a massive, will want a big wage, wage rise to come somewhere, uh, which is seen as almost stepping down in stature from a football club. It's consistent in the Champions League, won the Champions League not long ago, playing with lots and lots of players of a certain level would still be seen as a step down coming to Newcastle United, even though the clubs seem to be on a very different trajectory. Yeah, OK. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about in the summer, that's for certain. Madison to join, says John Ryan. I don't think I don't think it will, but uh, they're interested. But I don't, I'd be, at this point, I'd be surprised if he does end up at Newcastle United. That's not from lack of interest. That's not because he wouldn't want to come. I just think there's other deals there for him and, and they're the ones that he wants. Do you think Joe Willock will get an England call-up, says Tom? Uh, I think I think we're really guilty at Newcastle United as fans and as a fan base of shouting a bit too much about we're English players and we get a bit excited as if they should be England call-ups. 
Mm-hmm. I'll think Joe, and, I, and I, it's not because I don't rate Joe Willock. I would say Joe Willock would be worth an England call up if he's still playing like this at the end of the year. If he's playing at this consistent level for six, seven months, not six weeks. Um, we've been very guilty of it in the past. I can think of Jamal Lascelles, I can think of John Joe Shelby, I can think of numerous players who Newcastle United fans, because we're biased and because we love our club, we love our players, we want, we want to see them do well, we want to see them in England squads. But I just think, I think it's a long shot to say that Joe Willock should deserve a call-up right now. He needs to produce these kind of performances. And he'll know this himself, but he needs to produce this level of performance week in, week out. I think you could argue on a season performance, I would say Sean Longstaff has had a better season than Joe Willock in terms of performance. Now, other people might disagree with me, um, and some may agree, but I think Sean Longstaff's been the archetypal consistent midfield performer. And I don't really see many people shouting at rooftops that he should be in England squads. But if he continues in the same uh, manner, going forward, then both of them should be uh, in with a shout. But what we need to see from Joe Willock is not flitting in out for six weeks, we need to see consistent performance over six months. John, just as Alan, I hope you're well, mate. Uh, keep going with your recovery, mate. I uh, hope things are progressing in uh, that uh, damn hospital that you're in. Uh, do you remember me banging on about how good Isaac was when we had a Chinese, he says, Liam? I do, John. Always a good always a good judge of a player and a character. I hope you're... Um... I hope you're feeling strong and I hope you can get getting better made because I know you've had a rough time. But uh, yeah, you're a good judge of character and you're certainly right on Isak. <laughs> get well soon, mate. Uh, the other questions that I had, does anyone have any sympathy uh, with Anderson? He rarely gets a chance, but when he does, he's good. Perhaps it's how Eddie looks after younger players. Great prospect though, says John. Oh, I, think, I, think he's a, I think he's a great player. I think he's got a real opportunity at Newcastle. Um be interesting how much he's used in the in the final weeks of the season because I'd like to see him get some minutes. I'd like to see him get some minutes on Thursday. Um, I think he's I think he's a, he's got the potential to be a real top top player. You speak to people who've played with him, and you speak to people who've been in and around the football club recently, and they'll tell you how good he is. It doesn't need me to say that or anybody else, and, and we haven't really seen the the true Eddie Anderson yet. No, definitely not. One, not one for the future. One for the one for the, the the next season or two or three or four. I think we'll see a gradual introduction and a gradual progression with the young lad. Uh, Michael says I disagree, Liam. Phillips, Gallagher, and Mount are nowhere playing better football than Willock right now over their careers. Gallagher has not proven what Willock has. Always about. Well, I think that's a fair point, Michael. But you don't pick. And this is one thing that that people don't get, and, and it's always really tough to explain because people just don't get it. If they don't get it, they don't get it. You don't pick a squad on how everybody's playing right now. That's not how you pick an international squad. So yes, I agree. He's playing he's playing a hundred times better than Calvin Phillips, who who's just put a load of spells in his backside from the whole season because he just doesn't fit there. Um playing better than Conor Gallagher, who's been used as a right back, left back. He's played everywhere for Chelsea, not really been able to fit in. So I 100% agree with played it and had a better season than both of those two players. can't remember who the third one was on the list, but yes, I, I 100% agree. But that's not what Gareth Southgate's picked his squad on. If no. that was the case, Harry Maguire wouldn't be anywhere near. But you look at Harry Maguire's performance for England, alongside John Stones, who probably has a large part of play in that, by the way. Um, you wouldn't drop Harry Maguire. I wouldn't take him out of the team. And that's that goes the same for Jordan Pickford. Although I think yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't swap Nick Pope for Jordan Pickford in a million years. But I would pick Jordan Pickford for England ahead of him because the bloke doesn't deserve to be out of the team. It's bizarre, isn't it? Because it's like you know, Maguire's a different beast for England, whereas Man United, he just yeah. like you know, he's useless. But yeah, I, I, I would agree. Um, yeah, I would agree in, in you know in the current circumstances. Phillips, Phillips really fits into that one. So we're talking about a lad who was who was a reg who who can be a regular starter and has never let England down. He's always really performed incredibly for England. And if you're him, if you're Gareth Southgate, you can trust that guy. You can trust him to perform for you in your squad. So why wouldn't you pick him? You wouldn't take a risk on somebody else who you can't necessarily trust. You might have a look at them in squads, but ultimately, most of the time, in any job, and any manager will fall back on people that they know and trust. And I think that's kind of the, the case that a lot of players, there'll be other players at other clubs fall under that category as well. They just haven't quite gotten the chance when the fans of their own clubs think they should. You're on mute, mate. 
three last. Uh, Liam, a fellow Newcastle uh, Northeast reporter, suggested last week that Newcastle are considering top young talents like Osherman, and I'm not even going to attempt that from Napoli. Do you think that uh, these are the players that PIF would want as a statement signing? You know what, PIF, PIF don't look at look as if they're going to make statement signings at the moment when they seem to be doing the business in the right end of the the, the basement and, and doing it well. I don't think there's a need for a statement signing. I don't think there's anybody talking about that. Like a need for that kind of thing. The players who they're signing are making statements enough. Um, I think those are players that any top club in Europe looking to improve their team will be looking at. So I think, let's be realistic about this. Unless there's some loophole that they can work, I'd be very surprised if either of those players are, uh, are seen in black and white next season. It just, I just can't see it. Yeah, I, I don't think there'll be um, a statement signing, but you never know. They do things to, to shock us. That's that's for certain. Uh, do you think the chances, uh, Newcastle's chances of getting something at Stamford Bridge will be reduced if Poch is appointed at Chelsea? No idea. I did. Total mixed bag at Chelsea, no idea. And, and I'm not really bothered who is the manager at Chelsea. I think there's... You know what? I'm going to say this out loud. It might sound really stupid. The the game that I fear the most out of the last seven is, is tomorrow night. I think tomorrow night is almost the one that feels like it's got so much on it for the opposition. I agree. A back, a back would have beat Arsenal at home, you know. When did, did it last year? Uh, I, I think we will. When did it last year in a manner when there was so much riding for them? And I think we've got the ability at home. Let's just think about this at home. Under Eddie Howe, barely lost a home game. I think it might only be Liverpool and Manchester City that they've lost to in the league in that time. It's correct as if I'm wrong, but I'm sure it is. Newcastle United could blow anybody away. It's in James's Park with the power of the crowd, the stadium, the confidence they have when they're playing on that uh, football ground. So I think Arsenal... I don't fear it. I actually fear Everton tomorrow more. Just with the whole occasion, the Thursday night thing, the the comparisons to last year, the the need for points that they have, the very I'm going down Everton and it's a, Steve. It's a crap place to watch football. Like, yeah, I mean Ross Gregory, we were there last year together. It's awful. It is an awful football ground with a really toxic, horrible fan base at times that can create a really nasty, I don't just mean toxic in a sense like we've seen at St. James's Park, like a real element of nastiness at times. And you can feel it, it's palpable at Goodison Park. So I don't look forward to that at all. Um, hopefully the players, they've got, the cast has got better players. So if all our best players turn up and play at their best abilities, we'll beat Everton, we'll beat them comfortably. But I just think sometimes occasions uh, and atmospheres create issues and I'm, I'm a bit more fearful of that game than, than playing Arsenal at home in two weeks' time. And I think that's what Eddie Howe was getting at at the press conference today about turning tomorrow night, the 3,000 Newcastle fans who are going there tomorrow night, turning it into a home game. Um, because he, I think he's fully aware that there's going to be protests from the Everton uh, fans, etc. And, you know, there's talk about players, um, you know, the, the players' bus being surrounded by the Everton fans as they come in. They're going to try that whole intimidation thing. I've heard, you know, talk of protests with various things. You know, coming from the crowd, it, it, it's going to be like that. And of course, last year, Newcastle's momentum was hampered <coughs> by the fact that one of the Just Oil protesters came on and tied himself to the post for 20 odd minutes. So yeah. that, that, you know, yeah, you know, that really did affect Newcastle, you know, last season as well. But as long as Newcastle play the game and don't play the occasion, I think they'll be all right. Before you come on uh, next week, we'll have played two games. So Newcastle versus Everton first. Prediction for that one? I'm not going to predict Newcastle get beat, even though I do have a funny feeling about it. Yeah. So I think, I think Thursday will be ones each. Okay. And Southampton on Sunday, I think we'll beat them 3-0. Okay. Great stuff, Liam. Uh, good to have you back on a regular slot. Uh, as I said, we'll have to uh, pick and choose the time, but Wednesday is going to be the day. I'm going to do two podcasts on a Wednesday for you, lucky lot. So uh, uh, I will be back tonight uh, at uh, six o'clock with the lads from Geordie's here. Geordie's there. Uh, looking back at the Spurs game, why don't we do that? We, 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 you know, we've got to celebrate that game because it was fantastic to watch. Uh, and then uh, I will be back at seven o'clock with uh, the, uh, the well, our current affairs show, um, News of the World. And, and Lee joining 
joining us tonight to talk about a whole wide range of events other than Newcastle United. But Liam, for now, good to have you back. Enjoy and have a safe trip to Everton. See you next week, Paul. Cheers. Thank you.